Bibi Fahodier, welcome to the African Liberation Media Podcast. Media solely focused on the liberation and empowerment of African people. I'm your host, Gullah Jack, aka Russell Swilly. Let's get to it. A Bibi African Liberation. This is the African Liberation Media. The day's date is May 12th, 2020 or 6260. This is Gullah Jack, AKA slave name, Russell Adrian Swilly. I'm sitting here with brothers Macaroo and brothers Amos. And clearly the thing that dominates the thought and consciousness of most people and suffice it to say that there's a real fear out there is COVID-19. One of the pressing questions is, when will this be over? You know, an uncertainty is a formidable enemy. And the president of the United Snakes, the orange Caligula, the orange menace, Condon, the orange Caligula, he has said that this will be a most difficult decision for him to make. You know, we know good and well that profit will be primary in terms of the final decision, but no one knows when this will end. The uncertainty is as uncertain as the virus itself. And one thing that's clear is that the monster, this COVID-19 has exposed the myth of American exceptionalism, the convergence of the health, political, and economic crisis has clearly brought into question the mythology of American invincibility, the impregnability of American systems, the stability of America, the threat to Pax Americana, and how ridiculously easy it is for this entire system to become unraveled. Gentlemen, take it wherever you want to take it. So much to do, so little time as we discuss the psychopathic ruling class who is unable to solve this crisis. Macaroo, almost go with it, brothers. Abibi Fahodier, African Liberation Media family. Um, once again, we are connecting from different locations, practicing the uh, social distancing, but obviously not the psychological and mental distancing that uh, has joined us together uh, Come on. To, to produce this information. But Jack, you must be looking way ahead. It is actually April the 12th. Okay. What did I say, brother? <laughs> you said May. Oh my God, I am looking. <laughs> you know, it's uncertainty is a formidable enemy, and I apologize no. to the listening audience. Uh, you know, but suffice it to say, we don't know the date, the time, or the year. <laughs> right. In real terms. Yeah, we know it's sixty-two, sixty, though. But uh, yes, yes. In terms of, in terms of events that have that have taken place uh, during the week. There were uh, obviously several things. We try to post a plethora of information on African Liberation Media's Facebook page. 
And then at the end of the week, when we have these discussions, we review a lot of that. And we discuss other things that the uh, brothers or, or some of our contributors have passed on to us that uh, we didn't necessarily post. Uh, sometimes we just send emails out to a small group of people or whatever. But anyway, one of the things that, that struck me was this report that came out from uh, ABC News. And uh, it said that the U.S. government knew about COVID-19 as early as November 2019, possibly earlier than that, and did absolutely nothing. The National Center for Medical Intelligence. I, you know, somebody said that the, that the deep state was, is off budget, but it's, it's probably a uh, trillion dollar enterprise. So they have this thing called the National Center for Medical Intelligence. <laughs> you know, we learn more and more and more about how many different levels of quote unquote intelligence this, this nation has. The National Center for Medical Intelligence, a component of the Pentagon's Defense Intelligence Agency. Now we we did know about we did know about that. Um, detailed the concerns about what is now known to be the novel coronavirus pandemic in November in a, in a November intelligence report. U.S. intelligence officials were warning that a contagion was sweeping through China's Wuhan region, changing the patterns of life and business and posing a threat to the population, according to four sources briefed on the secret reporting. It paints a picture of an American government that could have ramped up uh, mitigation and containment efforts far earlier to prepare for the crisis. Not surprisingly, the Pentagon issued a statement denying that this uh, product or assessment existed. So that raises for us uh, a whole lot of questions and speculations. Uh, you know, assuming that this is not just propaganda, once again, uh, blaming, blaming China, but in the same time, in the process of blaming China, they have exposed their uh, crass ineptitude, uh, you could even say colossal ignorance, by, by refusing to deal with it. Now, the question that, that we have, of course, is, is beyond them claiming that uh, they saw this contagion sweeping through Wuhan uh, in November uh, is and and that they and that the uh, the way the report read it said that in or, in order in order for this uh information to reach this level it had to go through weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of checks and counter checks and cross references and whatnot so we don't know exactly when they found out about it somebody said well they found out about it in in august after the the uh accident or whatever happened at fort detrick when they called, when it was when it was shut down, the bio weapons testing center. But let's just let's just go with the information, uh, without without getting into the conspiracy aspects of it, because I think that the information uh, validates what Gullajack said about how uh, the, this country is being exposed. This so-called exceptionalism is being exposed because here you had the information being presented by these intelligence agencies and the report said that they continued to have meetings and pass information on to the National 
to the security, uh, the uh, NSA and all of these other organizations were passing this information on to people in the government all throughout December. So, I mean, and, and, you know, it, it, it's, it's hard to fathom uh, the decision-making process unless this is something that they actually wanted to happen. They actually, and this is something that they actually wanted to happen. So, uh, so uh, that's one thing, okay, that, uh, that, that people just need to be aware of. People just need to, people just need to be aware of. Now, obviously, uh, this isn't this is intelligence, and unless somebody was going to go rogue and and release something to one of the uh, organizations, the deep state or somebody, uh, I mean, to the Washington Post or somebody like uh, Deep Throat, that's what I was trying to say, like Deep Throat did during the uh, during the Watergate crisis. Um, nobody passed this information on. Uh, to the public, as far as um, to the to the media, who could then pass it on to the public? Okay, now coinciding uh, with that report, another report came out. Uh, this from the New York Times, and it said an examination reveals the president was warned about the potential for a pandemic, but internal divisions, a lack of planning, and his faith in his own instincts. Led to to a halting response. Okay, uh, so here's a person with no human or moral sensitivity, relying on his instincts, confused, arrogant, and more concerned about his political future than the lives of thousands of people. The New York Times says the president was slow to absorb the scale of the virus's threat and to act accordingly, focusing instead on controlling the message and protecting the economy. I think the word uh, slow there says a lot because we remember the University of Pennsylvania professor who said that Donald Trump was the dumbest GD student I ever had. If Donald Instincts Trump had been president, this is my comment now, if Donald Instincts Trump had been president during the Cuban Missile Crisis, the world we know today, as bad as it, as it is, would never have come into existence because he clearly would have going along with the generals who wanted John F. Kennedy, John F. Kennedy uh, to bomb Cuba. Just one other thing, because this brother, that's the uh, first uh, person of African descent to be the head of the World Health Organization, and we know the World Health Organization you know, has a lot of, of issues, but this brother has been under attack because they're saying that he was covering up for China. And our position is that this is Dr. Tedros uh, from Ethiopia. Uh, in our opinion, uh, you know, we have all of these um, uh, uh, retrograde politicians like uh, Ted Cruz and others calling for Dr. Tedros to be uh, fired. And what we said about it is this is all about what Dr. King called the incessant search for scapegoats. Trump fitting like Nero when Dr. Tedros on January 30th was calling on governments to pursue containment and testing efforts. On the same day that Dr. Tedros issued that uh, warning, on that very same day, Trump was confidently uh, predicting the coronavirus did not present a serious threat to the U.S., assuring American it's not, it, it, it's not going to have uh, you know, a very good evening. It's, it's, going to ha it's going to have a very good ending. 
Now, this is what Trump was saying on January 30th when Dr. Tedros was saying, you know, you all need to start taking actions now. And so now they want to go back, as uh, Dr. King said, they're always, always on this search for scapegoats. And so they're trying to blame him, make him a scapegoat uh, for their incompetence or, you know, for their moral insensitivity, just not caring about people. Uh, you know, and the result is, you know, thousands of over, over 20,000 people are now uh, dead in the, in, in the United States. Uh, so, you know, that's my opening salvo. Well, you know, I'm, I'm reading this directly from uh, the New York Times, and it deals with the uncertainty. Our brains are designed to predict what's going to happen next and to try to prepare for it. In this case, the response isn't that clear. Americans know they are facing a threat, but they aren't sure exactly how it may affect the economy, the country's politics, or society at large. You know, for instance, is this a pretext for the right-wing forces to further consolidate their power? You know, are we going to even have an election, even though the bar is very low? There's a question that I would have. You know, public health officials can't say when social distancing or quarantines will end. Some people don't know whether they'll have a job to go back to or a business to reopen. No matter how often someone washes their hands, they can't ensure they won't get sick. So what I see is just uh, just a tremendous amount of uncertainty and just paranoia. As I walk through the grocery store, I see nothing short of fright being registered on the faces of uh, uh, of people. Uh, you know, Dr. Anthony Fossey, director of the National Institute of Allergy, Allergy and Infectious Diseases, project, projected millions of Americans will contract COVID-19 and estimates, um, I think he's come down on his estimates now, uh, somewhere in the range of 60,000, according to the models they project will perish as a result of this uh, disease, a disproportionate number of those um, African people who live here in the United States. Exactly. And Jack, it's interesting. Go ahead, Brother Amos. It's interesting that uh, you mentioned uh, African-Americans and how it's affecting us. Um, I watched a video in the press conference. Donald Trump talked about that and Anthony Fauci uh, tried to state that African Americans have always had underlying health issues like diabetes, hypertension, high blood pressure, etc. And the interesting thing that no one is talking about in regards to deaths, except for maybe us, is that when you look at Europe, everyone is saying that the amount of deaths in Italy is due to the age of the people in the country with Italy being, I think the third old third or second oldest average age country in the world. But no one is talking about the diet of the Italians as being one of the culprits to the amount of deaths. We know that mm -hmm. Italians consume a large amount of sugar they eat a lot of gelato. They eat a lot of starch, pasta, pizza. Uh, they drink a lot of wine. So the diet that they consume on a daily basis 
it's probably causing a lot of respiratory issues to occur and it's being more fatal um, versus old age. If you look at Japan, which is the oldest average age country in the world, they don't have as many deaths as Italy does or Spain. So, yes, it is a fact that the African-American diet definitely needs to be changed. And it's probably one of the reasons why we are being killed by this virus here in America at the rate that we are. Also, the fact that many of us are not taking it as serious as we should. And we're continuing to um, gather and not really adhere to the social distancing. And many of us are not wearing masks or anything, uh, just from my everyday observation. Uh, but it's interesting that nobody is talking about the health issues of whites, especially in Europe, but they're talking about the health issues of black people here in America. And we really haven't even seen the full scope of the demographics yet. At least I haven't seen it on a, a, a national scale as to race, age, etc., of who is actually dying of this. Yeah, that's actually, uh, that's actually uh, Italy actually has 19,899, Spain has 17,209, France has 14,393, the UK has 10,612, and the UK is projected to pass both Italy uh, and and Spain, so I'm with you almost. Why why what is the problem there? What is what you know what is what is the problem there? But that's just um, it, it, it's it's something that that you know some some of the things that we know about in some of the cases that we've read about, like for example, there was a funeral that uh, some black people attended in Albany, Georgia. A town with, uh, I think, seventy-five thousand people, about eighty-eight thousand people in the in the county. And the last time I checked, they had they had sixty-six deaths. Uh, uh, twenty-three black males, twenty-three black females, and all of them uh, had some connection to this funeral, one way or another. But but now the funeral took place on February 29th. Nobody knew. But once again, to me, this goes back to the crass ineptitude or some type of hidden agenda by the U.S. government for not having people already on. This is this is one month after Dr. Tedros said you need to begin some type of testing and containment policies. This is one month later, and people are out mingling, doing things. Uh, this one pastor. In New York, seven of his parishioners have died, mm. and and they uh, he believes they got it from they they had uh, you know when these these ministers have these anniversaries. This one minister, I think in Brooklyn, was having his 35th anniversary, and this particular uh, pastor went you know how they bring a different minister in every night. Well, there were six ministers that, that, that came in and, and spoke. Six or seven ministers came in and spoke. One of the ministers died, and all of them wound up with COVID-19. The, the, and some of his church members, some who had been to the to the, uh, the, the meeting or whatever, 
the revival and some who hadn't uh, started passing away. And so, you know, so those were the kind of, see, those things were happening when people had no warning from the government. So we clearly, we can clearly blame the United States government for that. But in terms of these co comorbidities uh, that they, that, that they uh, are now so heavily focused on, uh, you know, we do have to, we do have to question, you know, what is the deal in, uh, in these European countries? I produced a article this week for, for the county news, which, which allows me to put a, put a lot of, put a lot of information out, uh, you know, for the, for their, for their clientele. And so, so we did do some reports, for example, uh, that showed uh, okay. This was of, of April the fourth. I'm sure these numbers have have increased. Uh, 107 of Cook County's 183 deaths from COVID-19 were black. In Chicago, 61 of the 86 recorded deaths or 70 cent were black residents. Blacks make up 29 percent of Chicago's population. And then once again, here we go with the with the narrative. The majority of the black COVID-19 patients who died had underlying health conditions, including respiratory problems and diabetes. 81% of them had hypertension or high blood pressure, diabetes, or both. And so when you, when you have one of, when you have uh, two or more of these uh, conditions, that's, that's what they're calling a cold comorbidity. Um, so the, these are the kinds of things that, that we're looking at. And it, it, it's incumbent upon us. We, we, we have to take action ourselves. I mean, that's that that's the bottom line. Right. That's I mean, I think line. I think when you look at a couple of places um, and then you provide numbers on those places, but then you don't talk about the places like Washington. Where we know it's predominantly white or California. They haven't provided those numbers. Um, so really, it's, it's, it's really tough. And then New York really would be. The primary place because that's where the majority of uh, the deaths have, or the fatalities have taken place overall in the United States. So, really, the, the the one state that would really seal the deal would be if we got the numbers from New York. Yeah, we uh, we saw some preliminary numbers. Just I don't think uh, enough to really make some make some conclusions from New Jersey and. It was it was showing uh, some disparities. I'll, I'll have to see if I can find it. Uh, but I know you wanted to talk. Uh, well, you know, just the uh, chicanery taking place up in Wisconsin. Uh, you know, perhaps a harbinger of things to come. This high court reinstates election um, up in Madison, Wisconsin. The uh, Supreme Court of the United States overruled the governor. Uh, which, as far as I'm concerned, and everybody in the audience who has common sense, it's an illegitimate election. You're asking people essentially to risk their lives in order to vote, uh, and that's what's taking place. Uh, you know, suffice it to say that uh, what spaces have been opened in this democratic experiment has come as a result of African Americans being on the forefront Brothers in SNCC, which you were part of, Dr. King, Malcolm X, and others, uh, 
but those spaces are narrowing and you know what limited democracy did exist is uh on life support uh just based on what we observed here recently in the state of wisconsin a so-called liberal bastion uh, with the University of Wisconsin uh, being somewhat, having been somewhat the bell guy, cow, uh, uh, leading this liberal thrust for years. Uh, go ahead, Brother Almost. Well, yeah, Brother, I wanted to get into the 5G conspiracy. I know a lot of people still promote this 5G conspiracy. Uh, we started with a white medical doctor who claimed that the radiation from 5G technology causes the coronavirus or causes people to be affected uh, by the coronavirus. One thing that we have to do as black people, you know, we always talk about on the show, critical thinking, having a critical look into information but one of the things that we also try to get to our listeners is to be able to have the ability to discern and use judgment in regarding what is real and factual and what is not real and not factual. So I wanted to talk a little bit about 5G technology, what it is, what the potential risks and benefits of it are and how it coincides with or how it does not, excuse me, coincide with coronavirus. One of the things that we can look at initially off the bat when we look into this conspiracy is if 5G causes coronavirus, then why is it that there are many countries who don't have 5G technology but still have infections and deaths from this coronavirus? Huh. That's the okay. first that's the first simple question that will automatically disqualify it in my opinion. Um Iran right. being a primary example, Iran does not have 5G technology, but they have at least and I say at least because these numbers are changing as we speak, they have at least 4,474 deaths from coronavirus. They do not have 5G. Uh, right. on, the, on the other hand, Kuwait has 5G. They're one of the leading countries along with uh, China, uh, the United States, Switzerland, that have 5G technology, and they only have one death. Wow. So if, mm. if 5G was really causing this virus to spread like people say that it is why do those numbers seem so off you would think that kuwait would have more deaths than iran and spain and spain right doesn't have the same level of 5g technology that kuwait has but they have at least 16,000 deaths right so you know, I almost, I mean, I want you to go and continue with that, but but just right off the bat, you know, the first thing that that we would think about, you know, coming 
you know, I'm coming out of the uh, COINTELPRO era. And, you know, we had a major problem back in those days with what we call agent provocateurs. You know, people would come into our organization and say, man, you know, we need to go attack the police station. And we look at them like, okay, you, we know who you are right off the bat because nobody, nobody that would, would do that, like Russell Maroon Schultz, would tell anybody <laughs> other, other than his sale, right? So how much of this almost is actually just deliberate, a deliberate uh, distraction to send people off on tangents so that they don't focus on you know, some the real serious things that they should be discussing. Go ahead, brother. Well, a lot of it has a lot of it has to do with you have special interest groups who are against 5G technology because they assume that that technology comes with health risks. So they promote these ideals to galvanize people to support their uh, premise so that they can then mobilize people against these countries for releasing this technology. Like in the UK, uh, some people went and burned down three 5G network towers. So that's what happens. And a lot of, a lot of times when people can't think critically and they know how to actually research information, They'll go on the internet and they'll type in. If you go on Google and you type in any topic, you're going to find something that agrees with what you're already thinking or what you typed in. That's just the way the internet works. I can go type in um, when did pigs first fly and it's going to be some website out there <laughs> and yeah. somebody's going to be documenting a date where they saw pigs fly. But you have to right. really, you have to really, really research the topic, cross-reference your material, and, and in some cases, just use common sense. Like the first thing I open up with is just common sense. Before we even get into any of the science behind five G, this is common sense. If Iran doesn't have five G, but they still have coronavirus, how can five G cause coronavirus to spread in Iran? That's just common sense. But when we look at the technology. We know that all energy is radiation, okay? But there are two different types of radiation in the way that it's measured in how it can harm your body or be harmful to your body. Um, you have ionizing radiation and you have non-ionizing radiation. Both radiations can be harmful, but ionizing radiation is the most harmful because ionizing radiation can actually change your DNA and they can actually cause you to get cancer and other things and grow tumors in your body and things like that. So some examples of ionizing radiation would be like X-rays, uh, gamma rays, even some rays from the sun are ionizing radiation. And then some examples of non-ionizing radiation would be cell phones, uh, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and uh, microwaves, which means that these sources can heat up, but they don't have, they don't, they don't, they're not powerful enough to trigger the process 
of um, interacting with, you know, Adams and causing, you know, Adams to be able to become charged or ionized, which would then cause damage to the cells in your body. So when you look at things like 5G, and a lot of people get the internet 5G or the 5 gigahertz network in our homes confused with 5G um, mobile technology. There's a difference. So the 5G in your home on your Wi-Fi is just on the 5 gigahertz um, radio spectrum. 5G mobile technology can go up to 100 gigahertz. So the purpose of implementing 5G is with everybody using data, video, they need more bandwidth on the network for you to be able to utilize these different streaming apps and sending videos and all of these other things that people do on mobile devices because there's more devices now than it was back in 10 years ago, 2010, even more than it was in 2000. So now they're trying to implement this network but people are worried about the higher multimeter waves from the 5G because when you go up in frequency, you actually have to have more endpoints to be able to send the signal because the signal doesn't go as far as it does on lower frequencies. So with 4G, um, I think right now 4G goes up to, I have to recheck the numbers, I think it's about 20, somewhere in the range uh, between 6 and 20 gigahertz. Now, could there be some health concerns that's still being studied? Some people say that the amount of heat that it could produce could cause things like people to become sterile or... Mm. Um, it could cause other health problems, but none of that has been actually proven through um, any type of clinical research or study. Um, so right now, some, some countries are putting their 5G networks on hold until they're able to give a more definitive answer. According to the FCC, they say that 5G is safe because they say that the signals are not high enough to interfere with anything in the human body. Mm. But um, we can't always trust what these corporations, as we've seen with, you know, organizations like the CDC, the World Health Organization, have failed us in this time of coronavirus. At one point, telling people that if you wear a mask, then you have a higher chance of catching the virus. So a lot of, a lot of their statements that they make are oftentimes based off of payoffs, profit, and things like that. So we still have to be weary, but when we look at specifically, does 5G cause the coronavirus? The answer is emphatically no. So anybody that's listening to this that still is telling people about this 5G conspiracy, we need to stop spreading things and this goal was not just for 5G in relation to coronavirus, but everything that we come across, we need to become 
more critical in our thinking and actually do some research to see if it is a fact or if it is just an idea that somebody is promoting with no facts to back it up. Appreciate that overture, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because, man, you, 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 you look at the misinformation, disinformation or whatever, the stuff that we will take and just start running with. You know, just like uh, people talking about all of the all of the indigenous people in in what is now the United States at one time were black. Oh God! You just put put anything out there, and we'll latch on to it, and and just start running, which is ridiculous. Uh, let me let me try to connect two issues. Um, because I, I, I think I think that given uh, the uh, meager response to the economic crisis uh, by this government, I, I think there's an economic bombshell out there that could go off that could really cause much more of a problem that we're seeing today as as people become more and more desperate. Mm. Uh, there was a report released this week uh, that said the normal economy is never coming back. I'm gonna read part of it. Uh, it's no longer unimaginable that the overall unemployment rate could reach 30% by the summer. I'm gonna talk about that a little bit more in, in just a second. Thursday's news confirms that the Western economists face a far deeper and more savage economic shock than they've ever previously experienced. Now that's that's a heavy statement. Obviously, a lot of people may not agree with this particular analyst because right now in the minds of most people, it's the stock market crash of 1929. But this guy is saying, saying that this will exceed that regular business cycles generally start with the more volatile sectors of the economy, real estate and construction. Okay, we know what real estate did during the Great Recession with those um, subprime loans and all of those uh, economic gimmicks that they uh, that they created derivatives, for instance, or heavy engineering that depends on business investment or sectors that are subject to global competition, such as the motor vehicles industry. In total, those sectors employ less than a quarter of the workforce. Show you, show you where this economy has gone. In total, those sectors employ less than a quarter of the workforce in the United States. The concentrated downturn in those sectors transmits to the rest of the country as a muffled shock. The coronavirus lockdown directly affects services, retail, real estate, education, entertainment, restaurants, where 80% of Americans work today. Thus, the result is immediate and catastrophic in sectors like retail, which has recently come under fierce pressure from online competition. The temporary lockdown may prove to be terminal. In many cases, the stores that shut down in early March will not reopen. The jobs will be permanently lost. Millions of Americans and their families are facing catastrophe. Catastrophe. So 
they're just talking about regular Americans. I mean, uh, what does that what does what does that mean for us? Mm. Um, so so what I what I looked at was uh, the data. So if they're saying thirty percent will be the official U.S. unemployment rate, what will be the real rate? Because we know that that uh, sick Willie Clinton changed the way unemployment was calculated in this country during his administration. They don't even count everybody who is unemployed. Uh, you must be actively looking for work to be to be counted. So what will the what will the unofficial rate be? Uh, 15, 20 percent higher? Will it be 50 percent? I mean, in, in any way you look at it, you, you're looking at something that's catastrophic. Uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics Table A A15 for March 2020 shows that the official rate, the U the, that the official rate, the U3, this was for March. April is going to be off the charts, but for March, it was at 4.4%. But the U6, which is a broader measure, but not complete measurement of unemployment in March, was at 8.7%. Okay, so uh, you know. Over four 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 percent higher as to what they're admitting to in this broader measurement. Official black unemployment in March was six point seven percent. I read a report that put real black unemployment during the Great Recession at twenty eight to twenty nine percent, when the official rate was about sixteen percent. And we know when you break it down by certain sectors of people in the black community, like uh, young black males, for example, the the, the numbers are much higher. So this is what's on the horizon. This is what's on the horizon. And I, I don't know if anybody has, has have any solutions. I know the, the Congress now is talking about another stimulus package. The first uh, checks have not arrived, but we know that they are, that some people are saying that this stimulus needs to be really targeted towards the people who need it the most We'll see if that happens. We'll see. We'll, we'll see uh, if if the Republican-controlled uh, Senate would actually do would actually do that. Uh, you know, maybe under the fear of what might happen if white people go into the streets. The white people that Chris Hedges identified, uh, the Rust Belt, and uh, people that are out of work in the textile, the textile industry, all all of the industries that have, that that have gone under. Um, so. You know that what you're dealing with there is uh, this is something that that we'll have to continue to monitor because one of the things that they said was that many many people who need that stimulus check will not receive a dime for various reasons. Some people, for example, uh, uh, in the underground economy, they don't file taxes. You have you have to have a income tax filing on date from at least 2018. Now you can still file your 2019 uh, taxes and and be considered for it at some point. Um, but the first checks would probably go to the people who who least need it. They're supposed to go out uh, supposed to go out this week, but they they will go to people who received a direct deposit from the U.S. government. If you if you didn't receive a direct deposit, then I suppose you'll get a paper check. Uh, you know, at, at, at some point, but you know, the Fed, the Fed, 
you know, a private corporation, the Federal Reserve Bank, controls the United States Treasury. And they ordered the Treasury to release another $2.5 trillion, which uh, they, they're going to, uh, you know, put in banks uh, for large corporations and whatnot. I mean, this is, this is shaping up to be uh, an, an, an absolute disaster in, 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 in no uncertain terms. Um, one of the other things that, um, that we discovered this week was what's happening to, uh, to many of our people in the prison industrial complex. Come on. And, and what we found is that uh, people who work in the prison industrial complex have continued to be forced to work in close quarters with no protection. So I'm going to read this report. Prisoners have made furniture, license plates, and government uniforms. This, this would be military uniforms, for example, during the pandemic. And a factory social distancing is almost impossible. At some, at, at some factories still operating, workers did not get paper face masks until this Monday, this past Monday, which was April the 6th. Though the highly Mid-March, Patrick Jones, age 49, and his fellow inmates at the Oakdale, Louisiana uh, Federal Prison Textile Factory were working without masks, according to interviews with family members and prisoners who knew him. He collapsed on March the 19th and was taken to a hospital. About a week later, he died from COVID-19. Jones was the first of five prisoners who have died after contracting the coronavirus at uh, the Oakdale uh, Federal Prison. Running the factories left many prisoners unable to keep social distance and, and risking and risk spreading the virus around a prison or infecting people from the outside who come into the prison to do business. Unicor, historically called the Federal Prison Industries, is a nearly 90-year-old program to employ the incarcerated in more than 50 factories that made $531 million in sales last year according to an annual report the program's goal is to reduce undesirable inmates idleness and provide prisoners job skills unicorn pays for its operation from sale from the sale of its products and services not using taxpayer dollars it's a big business employing more than 17,000 prisoners who earn between 23 cents and a dollar 50 per hour for their work making it one of the better paying gigs behind prison. So their jobs that pay less than 23%. So here, once again, you have a population that, uh, that certainly this, this government, uh, the United States government, the oligarchic psychopathocracy doesn't give a flying flip about. And, 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 and people were still being forced to work in these crowded conditions with absolutely, uh, no protections. Uh, I'm surprised they have not gone on a prison strike. But the, but the reality is, a lot of these guys need whatever the, the, the meager money that's being paid to them, you know, to send home to their families and whatnot. So, I mean, this is another example of the conditions that we're dealing with. And of course, uh, you know, I mean, we, we, we've had this, this uh, prison labor you know, ever since the 13th Amendment was passed, 
outlawing slavery for all conditions except one. The one condition being if you if you are in in prison for committing a crime, you could still be enslaved in the United States. That is the United States Constitution, 13th Amendment, passed in December 1865. So that, that's just another thing that, that our people have to face, losing loved ones. Uh, this this uh, guy Jones was sentenced under the, uh, the, the crack uh, disparity guidelines, but he, he was also dealing powder. I mean, the brother had obviously made a lot of bad decisions, but uh, he went to prison uh, in, in, in 2007, and he, he, he was hoping to be released under Donald Trump's First Step Act, but he was, he was denied, and now he has transitioned. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, rest in power, brother. Um, and many of these uh, penal institutions, brothers are not being paid at all. And in some instances, uh, what meager funds they are to accrue go for such items such as canteen items and in some instances, medical supplies. A very draconian system, to say the least. Uh, and if a brother plans on attending a funeral outside of greater confinement, he is usually charged by the state to pay for the uh, accompanying guards. It also suffice it to say you accrue debt on top of debt on top of debt. Once you're released and you're unable to pay the state, well, then you're recharged again. Exactly. Uh, you know, brother, years ago, used the term uh, corporate barracudas. And that term is clearly applicable in some instances like Ferguson, Missouri, you can be uh, fined for jaywalking, fined for interrupting um, sidewalk traffic, basically standing on the corner. Yeah, for, fined for, not, for not cutting your grass, I mean. <laughs> for, for not cutting your grass, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, when you're unable to pay the fine, well, then they serve a warrant. You run away, well, then you're shot in the back. All of this information comes from... Uh, Brother Chris Hedges in his various publications, one being The Empire of Illusion, um, America the Farewell Tour. Uh, they were actually financing the government in uh, North County, what they, the area that they call uh, North County, uh, St. Louis, St. Louis County. They were actually financing the government off of these fines. Uh, we did some reports on this. Uh, on uh, Makaru Speaks, the blog. But we, we, we uh, brother, almost got um, some uh, tragic news. Uh, oh, God. Uh, brother, almost, you want to tell us about uh, your uncle and your aunt? Uh, hopefully, she's, she's on the road to recovery. Yes, I had an uncle that unfortunately transitioned due to the coronavirus in New York. And uh, his his wife, uh, my aunt, she also had the virus. Well, she's back home from the hospital now, and so oh, she's uh, she's recovering. But yeah, he was uh, 
he was um, diagnosed with it last week. And then on last Friday, he died of uh, COVID-19. So as we stated before, wow. you know, this is uh, it's not something you want to play around with. And the information that we give, we don't give it just to, you know, hear ourselves talk. But it's because it's real information that could potentially help you to be prepared for these times that we're in. Uh, I know, Michael, you mentioned earlier that certain people wouldn't receive the checks. Well, the crime rates are going to start to go up. And this is what we have to be prepared for from all angles. There are going to be a lot of white people committing crimes. And there are going to be a lot of black people committing crimes. People, Mexican people, all types of people committing crimes. You got to be prepared. Yeah, generally, yeah, generally people commit the crimes among the people that they are, you know, live closest to, or, you know, in the communities where they live. So, and it's certain, you know, this is this is something. It's certain it's professions that they don't uh, they don't even allow to apply for unemployment. So, for example, if you are a exotic dancer or a stripper, you oh, you are automatically disqualified from applying for unemployment. My God! So, a lot of people who made well, money doing a lot of things in a normal economy, right now have to find other ways to generate income and with the majority of the jobs being uh, businesses being closed and people not hiring for jobs and if you can't get unemployment on top of that then you can definitely expect for crime um, specifically violent crime to rise yeah they, they, they definitely need to find a way to get money to those i think is an estimated 67 million people oh god who uh were not included in the in 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 in, in the first stimulus but the question becomes how long can they just can how long will they continue to print money <laughs> you know i mean is this is 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 america is the united states of america about to become a replica of the weimar republic uh -oh. in germany in the 1920s and 1930s and we know what happened there and we know here that there is among all the groups in the in this country there's a collective consciousness among the right the far right and the ultra far right and we know who these people will target as they go berserk uh, you know, just like uh, the Nazis did, you know, in Germany. And, and there's, there's no organized, there's nothing comparable uh, on the left to the German Communist Party, which actually had, in one election, won 100 uh, seats in the Reichstag. Um, it's just, uh, what could happen, man? Uh, you know, I told... I told some people uh, one day this week, uh, uh, playing off of that quote that, that we've heard many times, and I've just added something to it, and uh, the United States is the only country 
which has gone from barbarism to decadence and is on the road back to barbarism without ever having known civilization. Yeah, in closing, uh, again, I want to say this is the African Liberation Media, your source for factual information, and we are not afraid to also update our information as information changes. But we want you to stay safe, and you can find us on social media and also on our website, AfricanLiberationMedia.com. BB48. BB48. Power or the lack of power. I want to repeat this. Power or the lack of power. If your education in this institution is not about gaining real power, not jobs, because your jobs do not represent power. Not getting elected, that does not represent power either. Uh, buying your houses and fine clothes does not represent power. Uh, if it is not about real power, you are being miseducated and misled, and you will die educated and misled. If your study of black history is merely an exercise in feeling good about yourself, then you will die feeling good. The study of history then must be more than the pumping up of your self-esteem and the pumping up of your pride. Those things are important, but ultimately those things are not the means by which we will save ourselves as people in this world.